And it's Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And if you're here in person or if you feel comfortable doing this uh, wherever you're joining us online, if you could please stand as able once you are ready to read the scripture. Again, it's Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. I'll be reading the scripture, and then we will all respond with thanks be to God at the end. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned? When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Today's message is called Turn Aside. And what we are talking about, I mean, we've been talking about this whole year, about how we, bec- how we can become whole in Christ. Uh, and today, I, I want to specifically talk about how do we reach, how do we encounter a holy God? Because that's what you see in this passage with Moses, right? It's a very fantastic kind of encounter, the kind that we normally think doesn't happen to us, right? God in a burning bush and speaking out of the midst of that bush, Moses, Moses. You know, maybe for some of us, we kind of wish it could be that clear. We, we wish that we could have these kind of spectacular experiences, you know? But one of the things that we know about miracles is the reason why they're miracles are because they're rare, right? And so, you know, maybe there are burning bush moments for you. But friends, what I want to talk about today is not just the spectacular moments where you, you kind of like see God and you're like, oh my goodness, like this is like clearly miraculous, you know, but to talk about practically in everyday life, and I actually mean that, I mean every day, can you encounter God? That's the question, 
right? Does it only happen in these like very like, you know, quote unquote holy moments? You know, these moments, uh, you know, maybe at a retreat or a revival or you're on a mountaintop or you're staring at the ocean or the Grand Canyon in these moments where you're like, okay, okay, God is here, you know? Or, or could it happen like literally when you're at the grocery store, when you're walking to classes, when you're walking your dog and your dog is taking an awfully long time to poop, when you're in the bathroom yourself, and you're taking an awfully long time to poop. When you're just kind of chilling, when you're feeling anxious about your studies and about this test that you've been procrastinating for, when you're worried about your relationships and you're just feeling lonely and sorry for yourself at home, and it's one o'clock and you can't fall asleep, can you encounter God right there, right then? That's the question, right? And so I want to go through this story uh, about Moses because I think it does show us some principles of how we encounter a holy God. And so like I said, this is very particular to Moses, but I think it's a very interesting story that kind of bears uh, reading. And so as we read it, I want to read it through our lens, right? Knowing that this is something that happened to Moses. We know that, right? It may not happen exactly that way to us, but are there some things in common that we can sort of learn from as we learn to encounter God. And so those are the things I'm going to kind of especially point out and highlight as we go through this passage. So let's start from the beginning again. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So I just want to point out that Moses is actually, he encounters God in a very ordinary moment in life, right? He's just tending the flocks, of his father-in-law, right? He's doing his job. It's an everyday thing, right? But also, I just want to mention, Moses is not necessarily at his best, right? Some of you guys may know this, that Moses at this moment is in hiding because he kills a man in Egypt, right? He sees an Egyptian uh, uh, abusing an Israelite, and Moses waits till he thinks no one's looking, and he kills the guard, right? But then someone points out, they're like, hey, we saw you do that, right? And Moses is afraid for his life, and so he goes into the wilderness, right? And so through this whole process, he ends up marrying someone, right? And he's like now kind of in this different tribe. He's got a new occupation, right, in a new country. And all of this stuff is happening. And here, in the midst of life, in the messiness of life, I mean, Moses, come on, let's not cover it up, right? He's he's a murderer, right? He's feeling pretty low. He's in hiding. He's not at his best. This isn't, you know, Moses, let my people go. This is Moses at possibly his lowest, right? And this is where God encounters him, right? In the ordinary, in the the, the not great moment of his life. That's where God encounters him, okay? And it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the mist of a bush, He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. I pointed this out before. It is a spectacular thing. And sometimes when you see, like, uh, 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 sort of, like, dramatic interpretations of this, you see, like, a, a, a bush on fire, and, like, they like to make the fire, like, really kind of, like, ethereal, like, otherworldly. Maybe it's, like, blue or something. I don't know. But honestly, friends, if you're in the wilderness and you saw a bush on fire, you'd probably want to look, but it wouldn't be that unusual, right? 
for those who are, you know, maybe from the West Coast in California, there's like fires all the time in the wilderness, right? Too many now. <laughs> it's very dry. But that's what happens in drier climates. Sometimes things, right, just vegetation, dried leaves, and all that stuff, it catches on fire. So it's not the most ordinary, uh, extraordinary thing. But Moses pauses, right? And he pauses enough that he notices that the bush is not being burned up. So that's the unusual thing, right? Uh, a bush on fire maybe doesn't happen every day, but if it doesn't stop burning, right? Like, like Moses is like, there's something different here, right? And so this is actually the title of the sermon, right? But Moses says, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned, right? So what does that mean, to turn aside? So Moses, probably like most of us, probably has a predictable route, right? When he's walking uh, the flock and he's taking them out to pasture, he knows where to go. And probably, you know, if you have sheep, you, you probably have a, a few different paths. He's like, okay, last Monday we went over there. The grass is pretty chewed up over there. So today's Tuesday, so we're going to go this way, right? And he's got his predictable path, right? He's doing his thing. He always does this thing. He always goes this way. And at a certain time, you know, he wouldn't have had a watch or he wouldn't have had an iPhone, right? But he can probably tell, right? The sun is at a certain place. And he's like, okay, we're making good progress, right? We got our flock. We're on schedule, right? And then Bush is on fire. He's like, what? in the world is that, right? And we are told he turns aside. So what does that mean? He goes off the beaten path. He goes off schedule, right? And this is where he encounters God. So it says in verse four, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Okay, friends, there's something very interesting about this. When God saw that Moses was willing to disrupt his schedule, right, to turn off the beaten path, that's when the magic happens. That's when he has this holy moment that changes the history of Moses' life and the history of all the Israelites. Changes, you know, I would argue human history, right? Because Moses meets the divine. And he's never the same. But it all starts with this willingness to turn aside, right? To deviate from the things that he normally wants, right? So friends, if you want to encounter a holy God, step one, <laughs> be willing to turn aside and see. Friends, I think a lot of us, we, um, you know, maybe like Moses, have certain schedules that we live on right? Like, like there's certain routines that we have, and we just kind of know what life is going to be, right? Every day, you kind of do the same thing. And some of us, we're caught in these patterns. Some of us, we may not even like the pattern we're caught in, but that's the way human beings work, is that we are, you know, uh, uh, animals that like routine, right? And so if every day you brush your teeth, and you've been doing that since the time you were, you know, before you could even remember, right? You literally have been doing that your entire life. And one day you show up and all the toothbrushes in your house have been taken, right? What is going to happen? You're going to be looking for that toothbrush, right? You're going to be like, whoa, whoa, where is it, right? You're not going to be like, oh, well, right? 
you know the routine in your body, you're going to be like, oh, I, I, I need to, you know, I need to brush my teeth, right? That's what happens right now. We're not very good at breaking off those routines, even bad routines. Some of us, you, you have a routine now with your cell phone, right? Where every morning you wake up and you look at your cell phone. It's the first thing you do. Right? If someone in the middle of the night were to take your cell phone from you, you would reach over on your nightstand and you would reach for your cell phone and you would be like, what, what, where is it? Right? You'd feel a little bit lost. Right? That's the way we work as human beings, is we work best, well, I mean, we work very smoothly, I should say, if we have a routine and we can keep to it. And so a lot of us, we don't like having that interrupted. Right? I'm definitely like that. You know? Um, there are times, you know, I mentioned like walking my dog. My dog is like taking a little bit too long or stops at a tree that we don't normally like to, to uh, that I normally don't want to stop at. And I'm like, Lucky, what are you doing? Come on, come on, right? He's just a dog. He's like, I smell different pee, right? <laughs> like I want to stop. I'm like, no, 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 come on, let's go. Do you ever go to the grocery store? I don't know if this ever happens to you, if you guys ever, well, like for me, um, I asked my wife, give me a list. Right? I, I just, I need a list. I'll go to the grocery store all day long as long as you tell me what to get. Right? I hate going to the grocery store and not knowing what to get. But this has happened to me so many times. I like check out, right? I'm like waiting in that long line at Meyer because now at Meyer they make you wait in just like one line to check out. And I finally get it all done, right? Last item scanned. I'm about to walk out and I'm like, bread! No! And I look at my list, I'm like, oh, it was just hiding there in between the Capri Suns and the milk. I totally missed it, the bread. And then I have this moment of like existential crisis. I'm done. I'm done, my routine, right? Like at this point, I walk over to my car, right? I unload the groceries, I put the shopping cart back, and I go home, right? And there are some times where I'm like, ah, I'll get the bread later, you know? But, like, friends, if you think about it, it makes no sense. Why would I go home when I'm already at the grocery store? I'm already there. Is it a pain in the butt because I thought I was done? <laughs> and I got to do that thing where I go around the grocery store with a cart full of bags, right? Because I'm already done. And I just go and just get the bread. And I go and I have to tell the person, oh, no, 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 I'm already checked out. I just forgot the bread. You know, and I got to take that extra 10 minutes. Well, it would be way longer if I went home and at a later time I had to go get the bread. But I don't want to do it. Why don't I want to do it? Why don't I want to do it? Because of the routine, right? I don't want to deviate. I don't want to turn aside. One of the things that happens to us now, um, it used to be back in the day, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, the easiest way to do it was a phone call. And so when you got a phone call, it's like, oh, phone's ringing. Sometimes I actually would look forward to it, right? But nowadays, that's not in our routine. Nowadays, hardly ever does anyone call you, right? How many of you guys, you get a phone call, and your first thought is like, who's calling me, right? You like get annoyed. You're like, oh, I bet it's spam, right? It's an interruption. Sometimes it'll be like, mom, this is the human who grew me in her belly. She loves me more than any human has ever loved me. I'm like, oh, my mom's calling me, right? Why? Why do I feel that way? Because it's an interruption. We hate interruptions, right? And this is the thing, friends. If you want to encounter a holy God, 
You've got to get used to some interruptions, right? That's what happened to Moses. Moses was willing to turn aside. He was willing to have his life interrupted, right? But the problem is, is that for many of us, maybe God is there, but we don't see him. You know why we don't see him? Because we, we, we just are like laser focused on what we need to do, right? We're not even looking, right? The other day, I remember um, just kind of like looking in my neighborhood and seeing a tree that was like really beautiful, but I'm like, that tree has been there the entire time that I've lived here. You know, I've lived in this neighborhood like six years or whatever, however long it's been. It's like six years I've passed by this tree, but I've never looked at it. Never looked at it, right? It was right there. Can it be like that with God? God is right there. He's there. Whoa, sorry. <laughs> I got excited. God is right. Interruption, guys. Interruption. <laughs> it makes you pay attention sometimes. Sometimes your life does get interrupted. Are you willing to turn aside? Are you willing to look, right? Sometimes your life gets interrupted by things that you don't want. Sometimes your life gets interrupted by that phone call that no one wants to get. You hear someone in your family, someone you love, is sick. It's an interruption. And you're like, I wasn't planning on this. I wasn't planning on taking this kind of phone call. I wasn't planning on comforting this person. I wasn't planning on having my image of of what my family's life was going to be like be completely rearranged in this moment. I wasn't planning on it. It's an interruption. Maybe there's something that happens to you. Maybe someone, uh, you know, tries to interrupt you on the street. Has that ever happened to you? Right? Someone's like, hey, 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 can I talk to you for a second? And in your mind, you're like, no, I got to get to where I need to get to. I don't want an interruption. I'm not going to turn aside. Right? And friends, are we willing to pay attention? Right? What if it's God? What if God is trying to tell you something? What if God is trying to break into your life? Sometimes, friends, I'm not saying that, you know, God is necessarily calling this, but I've heard of people getting sick um, recently. You know, people have COVID or something like that. They're knocked out for a week. This definitely happened to me. You know, for a week when I had COVID, I couldn't do anything, right? And one of the things uh, that I've heard some people say is they're like, you know, Pastor Steve, like getting COVID, it, it, it wasn't great, you know? necessarily. I didn't like it. But one of the things it made me do is it made me stop. It made me stop what I was doing, right? Like I was forced to. I had no choice. And for many of us, we won't stop unless someone makes us, <laughs> right? And I wonder, are we willing to turn aside and look? Maybe God is to be found there, right? Okay, so that's the first principle. And then we see... Uh, So he, so the presence of God says within this bush, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. I pointed this out before, but in the Bible, when people would encounter God, they weren't like, hooray! They were like, ah! Ah! Because the idea was God is so holy that a sinful person in the presence of a holy God would die. You would die. There's no way you could withstand the holiness of God, right? That, 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 that this kind of sinfulness within us would be blotted out, and we would be blotted out with it. 
right? And so that, that's Moses' reaction. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of a holy God. But notice what God tells him to do. He says, take your sandals off your feet. I actually was thinking about coming out um, without uh, shoes on, <laughs> just to see like, you know, if people noticed or whatever. Um, but I, I don't know if you guys can see this at home. I took off my shoes, right? Why, why would God ask Moses to do that? Does that seem weird to you, right? Do you ever think about that? Why his shoes? So one of the things that you may be noticing is that I'm wearing socks, right? Thank goodness, because you guys don't want to see my feet, right? That's gross. Some of you guys know I've been walking like four hours a day. There's calluses down there. You don't, no one needs to see that, right? But just imagine, friends, um, Moses or anyone during that time, they weren't wearing shoes. They were wearing sandals. Why? Well, I mean, for one, I mean, it's why we all wear shoes, for protection, right? You're in the wilderness, right? In the wilderness, they're, they're, uh, sometimes we imagine desert, right? But the wilderness in that part of the world, it's not um, like sands, like Egypt, like that really fine sand you see, like Lawrence of Arabia type of sand. Um, it, there there would have been a lot of rocks, right? There's a lot of terrain. I mean, there would have been grass, too. There would have been a lot of different things, right? He was, he was uh, uh, tending sheep, so obviously there was vegetation there, right? But your, your feet are, in many ways, they need to be protected, just like ours do, right? And so if you're taking off your sandals, right, I mean, his feet would have been completely, I'm not going to take off my socks. I thought about it for a second. But he, they would have been completely naked, right? He says, Moses, you are standing on holy ground. Remember, Moses' first instinct is to protect himself, right? I can't look at the presence of God, but notice what God tells him to do, to strip down in a way. Take away your protection. One of the main ways you would have protected yourself in the wilderness is with sandals, right? Because the ground, I mean, it obviously hurts, but if there's ever any danger, you would want to run, and you can't run without sandals, right? And so God is taking away all his protections, right? And, 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 you know, a lot of people know that he says, right, where you are standing is holy ground. So what God is asking him to do is to humble himself. But the way he humbles himself is by stripping away his protections, right? You lay it down. That's really what it means to humble yourself, right? Take away all the pretense. And in many ways, it's, 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 it's actually kind of informal. I mean, there's a respect to it, right? Um, in that part of the world, if you go over someone's house, if you are in their house, you don't bring your sandals in. You would take them off, and then you would wash your feet, right? That's what you would do. That would be respectful, right? So there's definitely a respect there. But there's a stripping down. And I wonder, who of us is willing to do that? Take off your sandals. In other words, humble yourself. Strip yourself of your pretense. What are you using to prop yourself up? What are you using to protect yourself? What are you using for you literally to have something to stand on, right? Because that's what the sandals are. He has something literally to stand on. And he's like, before me, before this holy God, I don't want you to stand on anything. You're just going to stand on this holy ground here with me. That's what God is asking Moses to do. But for many of us, friends, the way that we live in this world, we don't seek out humility. I know we talk about it all the time in church, 
But I'm telling you, it's one of the few places that anyone will ever say that humility is a virtue. Other than we kind of talk about false humility, right? When you do something really great, it doesn't look good to brag, right? It's not a good luck. So you're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. But for many of us, man, in this world, what we actually want is pride. We want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel competent, right? I'm smart. I'm capable. I made a lot of money, right? I'm somebody special, right? That's why a lot of us go to school. I mean, it's not the only reason, but we want to have letters after our name, PhD, MD, right? We want this kind of prestige, right? And we wear the kind of clothes for people to know, yo, I'm some Somebody, right? I'm not just anybody, but look at this white coat I'm wearing. Look at this suit I'm wearing, right? Look at this, these cool sneakers I'm wearing or whatever it is, right? You want people to know that you're somebody. That's what most of us are trying to do. When it comes to being with God, one of the most consistent things that God will always ask us to do, it's a prerequisite, friends, as far as I'm concerned, to be with God, is to humble yourself, Right? There is no encountering God unless you humble yourself. You know why? You know why, friends? Because in some ways, you may not feel like this is what you're doing, but I think for many of us, what we are actually trying to do by propping ourselves up is in a way, in a way, we are trying to become gods ourselves. What does that mean? Who is God? I mean, we're going to find out in a moment. God is somebody who doesn't need anyone else. Not really, right? God decides to be in relationship, but God doesn't need anyone else. He's not dependent on anything. He's not dependent on oxygen. He's not dependent on on food, right? He's not, he, he wasn't birthed, right? At least, well, Jesus was, but not God, God, right? God is the Alpha and the Omega. No one created God. God is self sufficient. And that's what a lot of us want. Oh man, I never want to be vulnerable. I I never want to be lacking anything. I need to have plenty of money. I need to have plenty of prestige. I need to have plenty of friends. I need to have plenty of entertainment. I need to have plenty of leisure time. All of these things we're looking for. Why? Because we don't want to be dependent on anyone, right? We want to be self-sufficient unto ourselves. And that, friends, is not what humility is. Humility is stripping away the things that you so often rely upon. So then, at least in the context of God, you are dependent on God. It's not filling yourself up. It's emptying yourself, right? It's making yourself in many ways vulnerable. That's part of the reason why we don't like humility. Because honestly, what a lot of it is about is about vulnerability. Friends, by the way, just for one second, my shoes aren't completely on. It's really distracting. So, sorry, one second. <laughs> but friends, oh, oh, geez, sorry about that. Interruptions, guys, interruptions all over the place. Um, friends, you know, this is what we see consistently through Scripture. We're going to see it again, but I can't emphasize it enough. If you want to encounter God, you've got to become humble. You've got to be willing to become low, right? And so, you know, one of the things that you're going to see, though, is that the Lord, right, God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. This is a God who cares. This is a God who listens, 
right? And he says, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of each of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of, of Israel, out of Egypt. So friends, in many ways, we don't like humbling ourselves. We don't like being vulnerable. But in this case, right, when it comes to God, God is somebody who's willing to save us, and he hears us in our distress. He doesn't ignore that. He knows exactly what you're going through, right? And so exposing yourself before this God, right, stripping away some of the things that that we try to puff ourselves up with, it is in order that we can encounter God, right? Because the problem is, is that if we try to become God, we have no room for God, right? But the God that we're making room for is one who hears you in your distress, one who wants to save you, one who wants to help you, right? And so Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So God's even telling him, hey, there's going to be a time you're going to look back on this moment, and you're going to be with the other people of Israel, on this exact mountain, and you're going to be free, and you're going to remember this promise I made to you. You're going to remember that I was faithful, right? And, and so Moses says, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What, are, what shall I say to them? So what, what Moses is doing is this is classic stalling, okay? Moses doesn't want to go. He doesn't feel adequate. Right? He already said it. Who am I? Or they're not going to listen to me. I don't even really know who you are. What's your name? What if they ask me? You know? And this is kind of an interesting thing, friends. Do you guys remember Jacob, our friend Jacob? Do you remember when he was wrestling God? You guys remember that? The night before he met Esau, he's wrestling God. He won't let God go. And do you remember what he says to God? Right? He said, well, first of all, he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. Right? And then, you know what he asks God? What does he ask? What does he ask? What does he ask? Anyone remember? Well, yeah, I'll just let you know. (laughs) He says, what is your name? Right? Jacob asks, God in that instance does not tell him. Do you notice what Jacob was trying to do when he was wrestling God? He's trying to overpower God. I'm going to make you serve me. What's your name? Who's your daddy? He doesn't say that, but you're going to serve me. And God is like, nope. And he touches his hip socket and right? Like his hip falls out, right? And, And of course, Jacob is not going to dominate God, right? God is still willing to be in relationship with him. But he's like, you're not ready. You're not ready. I'm not telling you my name. But here, Moses in humility. Moses, knowing he's not worthy, he's like, what, what, what should I say your name is? And God tells him, right? It's a different moment. It's a different moment for Israel. But I think there's a different kind of mentality that Moses has. He's humble, and he's able to receive it now. 
And so God tells Moses his name. This is one of my favorite passages to preach on because it's so amazing. Some of you guys didn't know this. You didn't know that God had a name, but he does, right? And he said to Moses, I am who I am. And these correspond to the, the Hebrew letters. Uh, they're Yohevate, but it's the, the, the corresponding letters in English are Y-H-W-H. The way we most often pronounce this is Yahweh. We're actually not sure, and I'll explain why we're not sure how that's pronounced. And he said, say, to this, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Guys, uh, the name is Yohevat Hey, I am who I am. And this is the holy name of God. You guys might know this, um, but it's all throughout Scripture. It's everywhere. And where it is, is whenever you see Lord in all capital letters in your Bibles, it'll usually be like a really big L, but in the, the, it'll still be in capital letters, but a little bit smaller. Um, and so when it says, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, it doesn't say the Lord, not in Hebrew. It says, Yohevahe, right? And, and what you might know about Hebrew is that uh, when they wrote the Hebrew scripture, there's no vowels. It's all consonants, right? And you would know what the consonants were by context. You would look at the word and all the other words, and most people would know what they were. But when it comes to the holy name of God, this name was so revered by the people of Israel that when they saw it written, nobody would ever say it out loud. And so they would look at it, and they would just say, Lord. They would say Adonai or Elohim, right? Actually, very interestingly, somebody, strangely, I don't know why they did this, but they just took the, the vows of Adonai and Elohim, and they used it, and it just became Yehoveh which kind of sounds like Jehovah, right? And so Jehovah is just this weird guess at what the holy name of God is, just using the, the vowels that come from the, uh, the Hebrew word for Lord, right? So Jehovah, it's probably not it, right? And there's a lot of people, there's good evidence that's probably Yahweh, but the thing is the people of Israel, whenever they saw this name, they would not pronounce it. They would just say Adonai instead or Elohim. They would just say Lord instead. And so it's kind of been lost to history a little bit. We're not 100% sure how to pronounce it, right? And it is this holy name. I am who I am. What does that mean, friends? What does that mean for us? I mean, just think about this holy name of God is I'm here. (laughs) I'm here. I've always been here. I'm not going anywhere. I've always existed, right? That's the name of God. So friends, we've been talking about this whole time. How do we encounter God? Well, you have to ask the question, where is God? Is he in heaven? Well, yeah. Is he, you know, only in these sacred times? Well, he is in these sacred times. But if his name is to believe, you know where God is? Everywhere in every moment. He is the great I am. Not to get too crude, but you're on the bathroom. Right? You're in the bathroom. Where's God? I am. (laughs) He's right there with you. When you're frustrated about what's happening in your life, like nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, you know where God is? I am. I am. I'm right here. I didn't go anywhere. He's not just in the holy moments, He's not just in heaven. 
His spirit is everywhere. I am who I am, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm here. But what you can do is you can become aware of that, right? And so I want to show you Philippians 2. I want to close with this. Seeing this other step, right? The step that we see in Christ about this um, presence of God and the holy name of God. So Paul is talking to the Philippians, and he says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love and participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. We've been talking about becoming whole. How can you become whole? How can you have the same love, being in full accord and of one mind? He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in, I I, I had to boldface it, guys, in humility. You got to be made low. Right? Even Christians, I got to tell you, so much of Christianity, it's not about becoming low, at least not Western American Christianity. It's about being puffed up. People are like, oh, I know so much about the Bible. I'm so spiritual. Look at me. My life is so cleaned up. Mm-mm. It's not what Paul is saying. Become low. Humble yourself. Right? Not this false humility. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. What is that mind, the mind of Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, right? He, He emptied himself of all the things that would have made him worthy, would have made him powerful. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Friends, you got to see this. I I know some of you have heard me preach on the name of God before, but every time I read this, man, I am in awe. This is amazing. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. What name is that? What name is that? What name is that? There's only one name that the, the people of Israel, they would have known exactly what Paul was talking about. What is the name that is above every name? Yohei Woo! You guys remember? You guys remember when, when Jesus is talking about Abraham and Moses? And they're like, what are you talking about Abraham and Moses? You're like 30 years old. He says, behold, I tell you, before Abraham, before Moses, I am. You guys remember that? And what did the, the teachers of the law do? What did these good Jewish people do? Right? They picked up stones and they were going to kill Jesus. Why? Because he said, I am. I am. They knew what he was doing. They're like, that's blasphemy. We don't even say that name out loud. Right? And you're going to say, I am? Woo! Right? But look what it's saying. Look what uh, Paul is saying. Right? He's, God has highly exalted him, given him this name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Yohei Woo! Oh my gosh, guys. It's amazing. Jesus Christ is the great I am to the glory of God the Father. Friends, this is a God who is so holy, doesn't need anything. 
literally doesn't need anything. Doesn't need any of us. Doesn't need any oxygen. Doesn't need any money, right? Doesn't need any food. But this God, who had everything, emptied himself to be with us. So if you guys remember, we had that picture of how do we reach a holy God. And you might think of it as us reaching up, but the, in reality, the way we reach a holy God is God first reaches down to us. And what we need to do in this humility, right? You've got to turn aside, right? You have those breaks, those interruptions. Be willing to encounter God on God's terms. You've got to be humble, right? And not, not come all puffed up, but be willing to receive this God in a way that might be different than the way you want to receive him. But we need to receive the good news that a holy God is reaching down to you. And I want to end with this, friends. You know, do you guys remember what Moses says when God first calls out to him? He says, here I am. And we just said, where is God? Who is God? God is right here. God is the great I am. But the question is, if God is here, where are you? Where are you? Where is your mind? Where is your attention? So many of us, man, we are not here. We're not here. We're hardly here. We're in the future. We're thinking about all our problems. Oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen tomorrow? Or we're in the past. I can't believe I did that. Oh my gosh, I'm so dumb, right? We're, we're just somewhere else, but we're not here. Many of us, man, we can't be here and, and we're just anxious, and all of these things are going on, and so we're just on screens, right? We're just numb. We're just mindlessly scrolling through these things. We're hardly here. Friends, what would it look like if you were able to just pause? There might be these moments, these moments of great discontent. Remember, right? There's a fire. There's something that Moses doesn't normally see, but he's like, oh, oh I'm going to pay attention to this. Friends, I want to encourage you to do something. What could be the sign to you? What could be the interruption? And I want to encourage this as one possible interruption that I want you to pay attention to so you can turn aside, so you can humble yourself, so you can receive the good news again that God is reaching down to you. It's very simple. And I think almost all of us experience it at least once a day, probably more than once a day, many times a day. Your discontentment. Your your, your just kind of basic disappointment in life. Or that kind of like feeling that you have where you're just like, mm, like I'm just not, like, like I, I, I don't know if this is it, right? Shouldn't I be happier? Shouldn't I be more at peace? Why, why am I so disturbed? Why am I so lonely? Whatever that feeling is, that feeling of discontent in that moment, instead of reaching for your phone or just going on with your life the way you always have, can you turn aside in that moment, right in that moment, Turn off that phone. Put it aside. (laughs) Turn aside. Throw it aside. (laughs) And can you just take a moment to just be still with God? Humble yourself. God, I know I don't deserve you, but I receive the fact that you are reaching down to me. And just remember, remember that this holy God wants to be with you. It's an amazing thing, right? Just in this moment. It doesn't have to be a long moment. Right? You don't need to stay here for an hour, but can you just take a moment, 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes, whatever. Just stop what you're doing. Just turn aside. Maybe just take a few deep breaths. Just 
God, you're here, and I'm here too. Praise team, can you guys come up? Guys, um, Moses is not (laughs) the best guy in this story. He screwed up, and his people are in trouble. And yet, this God who is here is also a God who hears. And so one of the places, right, in your discontent, but also in your trouble, right? Sometimes we just misconstrue this because we think of God as just the fixer of your problems. But in your problems, in those moments when you're desperate, when you're like, God, I don't know what to do, right? Instead of coming to God and God, you know, saying to God, God, fix all of this. If you don't do it, then I won't believe in you. No, no, no. We got to come in humility. So friends, maybe some of you are feeling a little bit down. Maybe you're feeling a little bit lost. Maybe you need a God who hears and a God who is here. Can we just take a moment? Friends, just take a moment. Right? Just be still. Be still. Maybe take a deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. And can we just say to God, God, I'm here. I'm here. Not for you to do what I want by my agenda, by my timing. I'm just here to be with you. That's it. I'm just here to be with you. I need to meet with you again. That's all I need. I just need to be here with you. Friends, can that be our prayer today? Just in humility, to come before God naked and vulnerable. God, I need you. I just need you. I don't need the answers that come from you. I don't need your solutions. Yeah, some of that stuff will come. But first and foremost, I just need to meet with you. You are the great I am. You are always here. Thank you, God, for revealing yourself in Jesus who would come to be with us, who would lower himself, who would die on a cross to be with us. I'm making this time. I'm opening up myself. God, I just want to meet you again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.